0: Hi, welcome to East to West WLS, the podcast where we support the bariatric community with humor, humility, and honesty. I'm April and I'm the West. And I'm Jason and I'm the East. Today, if you are watching this podcast, you will notice that we have three amazing women joining us today Miss Natalie, who is, of course, East to West. And then we have the privilege of welcoming, welcoming Laura Grebo and Jenna Wolf to talk about cravings. Hi, ladies. Hello. Hello. We are so excited that we can all be together because this is the first time that we have brought experts from two fields together to have one conversation about a topic that gives us the spooks after bariatric surgery, and that is cravings. Have you ever wished you had a dedicated bariatric buddy to help guide you along your weight loss journey? Well, guess what? You can find that person. Patient Partner connects pre-op bariatric patients to vetted post-op bariatric patients who help and encourage each other along the way. Patient Partner helps you feel more empowered, prepared and supported through your surgery by connecting you to a community of recovered patients so you can move forward with confidence. Click the link in our Instagram bio to learn how you can take advantage of this free service. And if you don't follow us on Instagram, you are missing out. Just head there and search for East, the number two, West underscore WLS, and follow Patient Partner at patient underscore partner. We all know that that cravings can be a physical signal that we're missing something. It can also be an emotional signal that we are missing something. And we really, as bariatric patients, have to become our own scientists. And we have to decipher what each craving means because every time it could be something different. Mm. So we are so fortunate to have both of your expertise in on this conversation because it is going to be beyond powerful for not only bariatric people, but just any human who struggles with cravings. Mm-hmm. which is every human. <laughs> every human. <laughs> so before we dive in, I would love to give you ladies the floor to kind of introduce yourselves uh, just quickly before we dive into this conversation. So Laura, let's start with you and then Jana, you you can follow.
1: Yeah, so good to be here. My name is Laura Grabo and I am a professional mental health therapist here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, I have been a therapist now for 24 years and um, the last 18 specializing um, working specifically with bariatric patients providing them what I call the missing piece to their treatment plan which is head work uh,
0: and we can all agree that that is the biggest piece that is that is absolutely missing expert in your field thank you for joining us Miss Gianna
2: Yes. Um, my name is Jana Wolf and I'm a registered dietitian. I work mainly in bariatrics and in weight management in general. I am also the proud owner of Barry Box, the first bariatric meal delivery service um, in the nation. And we do deliver nationwide. I also have worked with Laura several times in the bariatric community, which has been a thrill. So I'm I'm so excited to be here today with all of you guys together. Yeah. And um, I have been in the field for in bariatrics for almost six years, but in health and wellness for about 13 years. And I struggled with my own weight management growing up. I saw my first dietitian when I was in seventh grade. So all of this, especially um, the headwork piece of it and um, the emotional piece really, you know, hits a special place with me because it's not something that just goes away you have to work on it consistently through your life and mm-hmm. if you guys
0: have not tried a berry box meal highly recommend it has changed my life they're amazing go check out the website. And I will also let you guys know too, if you're watching this on YouTube, our Instagram handles are our name. So if you'd like to follow us, that is where you can go 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 to learn about these amazing women and and what they offer. And I will not continue until miss Natalie has an opportunity to introduce herself to all of you.
3: Uh, Hello, I'm Natalie. I work with East to West. We are uh, an amazing team. I'm behind all of the socials getting all of that planned Uh, usually I'm behind messages, although Jason does take over most of the time in the mornings, uh, for the East coast crew. Um, but yeah, I am on my own bariatric journey. I've lost, uh, 140 pounds and I just continue to, yeah, thank you. (laughs) I continue to, you know, keep working towards my own, um, you know, goals and I, have struggled with eating disorders my whole life. And, um, so I'm really excited for this conversation and, and here, these two perspectives in one conversation
2: Mm, for sure
0: super powerful we have all struggled with cravings regardless of bariatric surgery or not bariatric surgery and as i kind of said earlier it's our job as as patients to become our own scientists and decipher what these cravings mean Uh, so today's conversation is really going to center around kind of three big questions what are cravings and why do we have them uh, what do we do when they strike? And then, can cravings be avoided? Those are kind of our big topics. So, I think uh, I think we just get right into it. You guys ready to dive in? Ready. Let's, do, ready. It. Let's do it. Do it. Do it. All right. So, our very first question here is cravings. What are they, and why do we have them? Uh, and I think. F- First, I would like Jason, Natalie, myself to kind of briefly describe when and where we have noticed cravings after a bariatric surgery. And then Jana, we'd love for you to give us uh, your definition from a nutritional perspective. And then Laura, your definition from the head work perspective, from the, that awesome. emotional, mental perspective. All right. Jason, why don't you start us off cravings after
4: weight loss surgery? Uh, I started, I, I did real well for probably the first, I would say six months, Uh, I didn't really have any problems with it. But then after that, when hunger and everything started kind of creeping back in and I could eat normal and really kind of started feeling back toward, you know, to myself again, the uh, I work from home. So mid morning is always hard. Always start getting real snackish around mid morning. And then if I do lunch shortly after that, then I'm good for the rest of the day. Then, of course around about this time so luckily I'm in here with you guys so I can't do anything about it so that's gonna be fantastic for right now but uh no yeah it's usually around this time of night it gets pretty bad because you already had dinner everything settled down a little bit and then you're watching TV or whatever you start thinking like I could really kind of snaggle a little because dinner's kind of settling out and you're kind of starting to feel like you could do a little something it's not quite mm-hmm. ready for bed yet so <laughs> that it really starts hitting you uh, hitting you kind of hard so those are the two worst times for me. Right. And I really was hoping
0: that after bari- bariatric surgery, those little voices in the back of my head that was telling me, Ooh, you know, what sounds really good right now would go away. And they have not. And I'm two years mm-hmm. old stop. Yeah. Miss Nat, what about you?
3: Um, I think for me, it's, uh, nighttime watching TV, like that mindless time that we all know and love <laughs> at the end of our days. Um, and then a lot of times it does happen to me around big holidays, big family holidays, like uh, knowing, oh, Thanksgiving's coming up. I'm going to get so-and-so's dish that I haven't had in a year. Um, and then you start kind of thinking about, oh, what would scratch that itch today? You know, those kinds of thoughts um, come into play, especially around the holidays um, for me, not just in the winter time, but. Fourth of July, Easter, like my family always did huge holiday gatherings. And so pretty much any big holiday that comes up or any calendar holiday, really, I am like, well, this kind of sounds good. Um, So those seasonal, for lack of better terms, uh, cravings do come in.
0: Yes. Well, and right with the holidays comes a lot of big emotions. And we know that a lot of us are drawn. We, we notice cravings are stronger when those big emotions come up. I know for me, when I get stressed, when I get angry, that is normally my very first reaction is, oh, I really want Cheetos. That tends to be my go to. Right. So the craving uh, game is still very strong in me. And I'm two years out. So, Janet, we break it down for us. What is a craving from like a nutritional standpoint?
2: Right. Yeah. So from a nutritional standpoint, it's usually that our body can be missing something. And right before we even started um, recording, this was the first thing that came up. Could it be um, maybe a nutrient, like a macronutrient, whether you're low in your diet in protein or carbohydrates, or maybe even fats, could it be that you're low in certain micronutrients? Like um, there's a theory that if you're low in magnesium, you can crave um, sugary stuff or like uh, chocolate. Um, so are you taking your vitamins and minerals? Are you crossing pathways in your brain with the fact that you're slightly dehydrated? You know, could you, could you go for a little bit more fluid, even if you've hit your 64 or 50 ounces to 64 ounces recommended by the ASMBS? Could you have a little bit more? Maybe you need that today. Um, and then also all of you mentioned all of these things being paired with our emotional past and our reward centers in our brains. Um, you know, when we eat certain foods, like especially the beautiful trifecta of like sugar, fat, and, um, what sugar, sugar, fat, and salt, it really makes us promote a lot of dopamine endorphins in our brain, almost like we've done a workout. So we get a reward from that so even subconsciously if you have foods in your house so you haven't set up let's say you haven't set up your environment correctly and you know that those foods are in your house and then you're having like one of those moments april that you just mentioned oh i'm stressed i'm annoyed or or oh i want to celebrate or oh you know jason it's it's nighttime or natalie it's the holidays all of those things are like connected to something in your brain and in order to pump your brain up with nice little chemicals. Yeah, you can get that from food. And we know that subconsciously that might not even be a conscious decision. So I always talk to patients about not keeping certain trigger foods, whatever you want to call them foods that, you know, if you're in a stressful place, those are easy, quick, uh, legal, you know, like they're cheap and Right. So that that's, those are the types of foods that you can take out of your house or have limited quantities of, and maybe they're even like stored in the freezer or something. So, I mean, really, it sounds like there's a lot
0: of different things that can trigger this craving. It doesn't even necessarily have to, I mean, just the fact that, you know, that something is in your house could be enough of a trigger to just say, Oh, my brain is requiring that hit of dopamine, even though I'm not nutritionally deficient, I just, know that a tear and a yeah. boost.
2: I mean, April, you start producing enzymes in your mouth. You start salivating when you think of food. And like you said, you know, that we didn't do surgery on our brains. It happened just straight in our stomach. So that that's about it in our GI. Um, everything else we have to learn through. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to throw this back now over to Laura because then then speaking with a therapist or learning more from education, like I talk to a lot of patients who don't think that they have any issues with food and they might not, but at a certain point, there's got to be something underlying that can be addressed to sort of prevent cravings in the future. Yes, everyone has cravings. So how can we prevent them? And And what if we give in to them? Okay, move on. Uh, Natalie,
0: so I mean, I know we'll, we'll talk about that, but you know. Natalie um, opened my eyes to a new way of thinking, which we will get to. And how she has really learned to approach her cravings and how she shared it with our community, I think is so monumental. Mm. So monumental. Because it, it, it really is, again, every situation that we encounter with a craving almost requires a fresh set of eyes you have to approach every single one as something different because that craving is happening for a different reason.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So Laura, uh, will you offer, offer the headpiece for us?
1: Well, I think you've all touched on it um, a little bit already, but craving just by definition is a powerful desire for something. And in, in, in light of our conversation, we're going to say it's a powerful desire for food. And the key word I want to point out in that definition is powerful. When I am working with my patients, they say it is strong. And they describe it exactly like you did, April, um, when you said, I wish this voice in my head would go away. Okay, so right here, had surgery on our stomachs, not our heads, right? And so it's this strong desire. And when I hear word craving, it's usually about one food. I am craving, you said Cheetos, right? Um, I am craving fill in the blank, I can't get Snickers out of my mind, I can't get potato chips out of my mind. We do not this is a good you know, how do our, how do your listeners identify craving usually by one food. Um, and it's usually as Jana pointed out, um, the trifecta of it has sugar, fat and salt in it. Okay, um, because what it does to the brain, it gives us a nice little party um, in the brain. And from Um, what I know then about craving is it's not physical hunger, that you do have to dig deeper and say, you know, go a little bit and say, okay, well, then what am I really hungering after? What what is going on right now? And I think it's a play of a lot of things. I think there's physical things going on. I think there's emotional things. I think there's mental things. Um, I just want to speak a little bit to that party in the brain that Jana alluded to. Um, This has been one of my biggest areas of research and learning since I started working in weight management is what is going on in the brain, right? And what, you know, we get this dopamine surge in our in our frontal lobe and this, you know, this party in our brain, and actually people with the obesity genetics get more of a party, they get more of a light up. That's what the research showing. And what's very fascinating to me is even thinking about the foods, If we pet scanned our brains when we were thinking about those favorite Thanksgiving foods, or we pet scanned your brain when you were thinking about Cheetos, April, you start getting that push, right? So there's that powerful, there's there's something physical going on that's saying, go get me, go get me, go get me. And then once you eat, it starts a really strong physical process. So cravings, physical, emotional, mental, all the above. Well, and
4: that's that's why the willpower side of things is so misleading because people just think in their head, well, oh, well, it's just just a craving. It's fine. Like they don't realize that there's an actual chemical release going on that's way more powerful than just a thought process of going, a bag of Cheetos would be pretty cool right now. But instead, it's really your brain being like, oh, no, we're getting some Cheetos. Like you're going to get in the car, you're going to go to the store, you're going to get the Cheetos and we're going to eat them. It's going to be great. And literally, it's that push that really that drives people to do to, to really push until they get what they're what they're craving after.
1: And the food industry has built their model on that push. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh yeah. The food industry has worked really hard. And again, I want to point out all humans have cravings. It's yeah. not just bariatric patients. The food industry has worked very hard to get us hooked.
2: Yeah, especially during Thanksgiving and Halloween and all of the different holidays. I mean, basically October through January. January. You know, that's yeah. mm-hmm. that's it. Well, and yeah.
0: And I feel like once you get on that craving roller coaster, it's very hard to get off because it's like, oh, I have a craving. Oh my god, I can't stop thinking about it. This is exhausting. I'm just going to eat it and then I numb out, I zone out, and then when I come out of that, I feel so ashamed kicks off my Mm -hmm. shame cycle. I'm a horrible person. Oh my God. What makes me feel better when I feel like a horrible person eating, you just get on this hamster wheel and you cannot get off. It is very difficult to get off. And Natalie, you literally changed my life conversation that we had when you talked about like, well, scratching the itch. Right. And some days, I just have to scratch it with what it is. And then other days I have different choices, but every day's different. So will you kind of share with us your,
3: your learning around this? Yeah. So, I mean, I have been a food addict since I came out of like, since I was born, <laughs> I was a food addict. Um, my brain uh, was just built that way. So I've dealt with that my whole life. Um, and I actually come from a family of addicts, whether it's drugs, alcohol, gambling whatever you name it um and so i have kind of grown up around these picking up lingos and picking up different um tools in recovery just from living my life and one thing that uh my, my mom and i had discussed before is that with food we can't escape food like we have to eat we have to be able to like nourish our bodies um and sometimes nourishing our bodies is going to look like scratching the itch. But sometimes I can personally, like, make something a little bit different. Like, I think we've talked about pumpkin spice lattes, right? My, one of my favorite seasonal indulgences. Um, some days I can get away with uh, sugar-free pumpkin creamer with my coffee, adding some protein to it, and that'll satisfy the itch. But sometimes like I just want the pumpkin spice latte or else I'm not going to stop thinking about it. And then I'm going to have the biggest pumpkin spice latte with a pumpkin stone with like, and then going to binge on it because I didn't allow myself to have the tall, the small version of the real thing. And that's something that has helped me in my recovery with food addiction is like some days I can talk myself through it and say, Nah, I don't really need it. Actually. I can like move on. Some days I'll be like, Oh, I still kind of want it, but I'm going to make it fit my goals. And then other days it's like, no, nothing else will do. I'm just going to get the real deal. I'm going to get a small thing and I'm going to enjoy it and then move on. And hey, what yes.
0: is, sorry, just what, what is so difficult about bariatric patients is that for so long, we have not trusted our instincts. We don't trust ourselves. And then we get to this point where we're like, oh, wait a minute, I have some capacity to think about this differently. I can access my willpower, right? I All of a sudden I have these different tools at my disposal. Do I trust myself to make the right decision in the moment when they present themselves? It's a real struggle because we're just not used to doing that.
2: I love the idea that you have a backup plan. So If you want, you have, you know that you can have the pumpkin spice sugar free latte all the time. Like that's just something that you can have. You know that the regular one is for a special occasion when you just can't, you know, when you have to scratch the edge. And then you also know that, like, after you have that, if you just balance that out for the rest of the day and in um general you're nourishing yourself on a regular basis you're getting your protein and you're getting your vitamins and you're getting your fluids and all of those basic principles then you likely won't have another craving for a very long time and then you know i always talk about how often and how much because if you're if you're having that if that does turn into a spiral let's it let's say you trusted yourself fully and then all <laughs> of a sudden you're like wait, I'm starting to get this every day, every couple of days. Then you realize, okay, let me take a step back. Let me just have the sugar-free one. Let me just have it. It's not going to be the end of the world if I don't have the real thing. It's going to be fine. And then rewiring your brain to get back used to the old habit of having that more often. Because really all we're doing is just making like, constantly. And and Laura, I'm stepping onto your turf, but this um, like constant rewiring of the pathways and making these new pathways to say, oh, this is actually good. This is actually good. I like this. I like how I feel when I drink this. I I feel better in general. Um, And you know that like a 250 calorie um, drink is not going to break the bank if the rest of the day is balanced, especially. Let's say, oh, here's another thing. If you're feeling a little bit out of control, sometimes that happens. Um, you have boundaries that you can set on yourself, like just even for one day tracking food. You know, you could just track your food for one day in Barry Tastic or My Fitness Pal. You don't have to do it for the rest of your life. Just one day to get you back centered. Well, and I, I've been
0: doing that recently and ever since I just, I've been tracking one meal a day and that has opened my eyes mm. to the reality of how I was eating. And when I did that for a month, I lost eight pounds ah. because I can trust myself to look at rational data now and go, Hmm, this is not working out well. I'm eating way too much, you know? Right. And, and the other thing that has really changed in Laura and um, my personal therapist, Wendy have really ingrained in me is that when I'm right there, there's, at East West, we kind of say there's three choices. You can pass on the item. You can find the alternative or you can enjoy. Those are your three big choices. And we have the capacity to make that choice that's best for us. But every single choice I can't make until I ask, until I answer the question, why am I making this choice? Right? Ooh, because yeah. if I'm not doing that head work, like Laura, I, I always hear Laura in the back of my brain going... <laughs> Why are you doing that? Right. And it doesn't matter what the choice is because the power of that question is I'm walking myself through the reality of this. And I can say, I'm choosing to have a regular old pumpkin spice latte today because nothing else will do, or I'm very much looking forward to that flavor or whatever it is. And I'm going to have the tall and that will be it. And I'm very excited for that. And then I'm going to move on to something else, but I have to ask myself that why question, right? Laura
1: absolutely because you know we're kind of moving into like what do we do when this craving presents itself i think there's a step that we have to do before that and be curious and ask ourselves, what's really going on here you know am i physically hungry i heard a lot of mental triggers i didn't hear physical hunger tri- triggers for craving um i hear nighttime eating that's been a habit for many many humans we eat at nighttime when we sit down and relax i heard holidays positive memories of food know, we're not hearing anything about being physically hungry. Um, As my patients describe craving for me, and and as they engage and use the word scratching the itch or not, they'll often say, well, you know, I thought I was craving this. And so I ate it and that didn't do it for me. And then I went to eat that and that didn't do it for me. And it's awesome, sweet, salt, salt, sweet, uh, put them together. And it's because none of it's gonna do it for you because you're not physically hungry. You're emotionally hungry. Craving is about emotional hunger. And you need Mm. to slow down and say, what's going on right now? Like, let me be curious. Oh my God. (laughs) I
0: love that.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, literally, it just connected to
0: my head because we always say, like, every craving is a lie. And it's true. You are not craving food necessarily, right? Like it is telling you something is missing. And if it's, if you're not like, Oh, I, I need broccoli, right. Your brain's not going, Oh, I need broccoli. No, no, no. Your brain's going, I need this one specific thing. And then like what you said, like, duh, if I eat something and I'm like, Oh, that didn't do it. Yeah. It's not the food that's ever going to do it. Yeah. Like ding, ding, ding.
1: Yeah. And often it's, it's a need. So, um, I think, So I think it was you, April, who just said, you know, it's when I'm angry or when I'm stressed. It's when, you know, we have to start asking ourselves, I want all of your listeners and those watching to think about in their lives, when are cravings more intense, when they look back in their life, what was going on in their life? And usually it's a time of stress, right? It's a time of stress. It's a time of needing comfort. It's a time of feeling angry. It's a time of feeling lonely, anxious. We've all just gone through that in light of global pandemic, right? And, um, these emotions are just emotions. They're not good or bad. They're not positive or negative. They're either comfortable or uncomfortable. And our cravings, like I'll have clients come to therapy and go, go to me. I don't know why on earth I had so many cravings this week. Like I've been doing so good. And I said, well, tell me about your week. And I hear about parenting stress, job stress, financial stress, stress is at an all time high. And I said, Yeah, that's probably why your cravings were up. You had more uncomfortable emotions this week that needed to be honored in non-food ways. But for many, many years before bariatric surgery, you took care of those emotions with numbing them with food that would numb. And it's time for a better way. That's why you had the surgery.
0: We were just talking about this earlier. We get to this point in our recovery and we think, oh, the surgery did it all. And then we get past the honeymoon stage and we go... Oh, no, 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 I do not want to do this. Nope, 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 nope.
2: But this is that's, the work. This is ex- the work. Yeah, that's, this was exactly what I was going to say because I work with so many patients before surgery as well. And, you know, a lot of the work that we do is almost like pretending that you've already had the surgery, um, dealing with emotions, you know, when, when you're stressed, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that there's this thing that happens during the honeymoon phase. It's that the honeymoon phase is part of the lie. You know, we mourn that honeymoon phase like, oh, it'll be like this forever. That's why the tool of the surgery is so amazing. But it, it I mean there would be no reason for us to call it the honeymoon phase if it didn't do those things, you know? So, I feel as though we mourn the honeymoon phase to a point where it's like, god, now now that you didn't practice it for the first like 6 to 12 months however long your honeymoon phase happens for you're still relying on the surgery and now you have to get back to what laura said working up here and putting the work in and understanding you know if you have a cut that's bleeding out you don't eat you put a band-aid on it like naming the feeling and actually dealing with it is something that's really hard to do mm-hmm. it's uncomfortable Mm-hmm. And, well, and i want to put a, you might not have clair- to do it during the honeymoon phase.
0: Well, a clarifier on that is for many of us, it's not that we're getting back to the head work. It's that we have never done the head work. And now yeah. all of a sudden, yeah. not only are we being asked to understand how to live our lives thinner and as a bariatric patient, but now you're telling me I have to do mm-hmm. this crazy, ridiculous head work that I've actually been avoiding for my entire life.
4: Yeah. Right. We, yeah, we've been masking it with, with the food with all the other food, anything we can do but that. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about this off of the honeymoon phase. You know, we, we're, we're told of the honeymoon phase while we're in the honeymoon phase, but nobody ever speaks of the fact that the honeymoon, not, that, like we think that the honeymoon phase is just going to kind of fade out and then we'll find something new to like figure out on the way. Nobody tells us they rip the rug out from under us when the honeymoon phase happens and we just get pushed down like ah, and it's over. Like, So while you're trying to figure out why you're on the ground and get your way back up, then you start getting beat by all your other thoughts and things and feelings that you weren't, you know, that you were always able yeah. to mask. And then you just get kind of this blanket of stuff thrown on you and you're just like you fight your way back up. But it's just it's. It's hard in a way that, you know, like you guys were talking about with the pandemic and everything that's been going on this past year, the stressors were at an all time high. But now it's almost just as stressful trying to find a way out of what we've been doing the past year and find some sense of normalcy in the world, whether it be going back to work, which is stressful. So for a lot of people, because they've only been bariatric patients at home working and don't know what it's going to be like in the real world. And they get back to work, and it's potlucks mm-hmm. and donuts and coffee and this and all the things that they haven't even had access to. And here they are, freshly out of, like a, like in all the shows, they're the newly bitten vampires that don't know how to control themselves. And they're looking around like, like <laughs> everything's a trigger, and they just don't know how to do it. And so they're like, with all this power, like, I have access to all the things. So it's hard for them to figure out how to to, to scale it back. So, yeah, it's there's so many things that are happening for so many people at the same exact time that this honeymoon phase is crashing down. So it it stands for reason why there's so much, you know, panic and and just unsurety and people being so afraid that they're going to fail.
1: And I don't think um, the bariatric treatment centers where our patients have had their surgery has prepared them for the mindset piece of their treatment plan.
4: Absolutely not.
1: I have been, you know, working with a bariatric group now for 18 years that has a strong behavioral health component. There's four of me in that program. I mean, I have since left, but I still work with them. Um, And I just assumed every bariatric program had that. And this is why I love your community East to West, because... Sometimes there could be someone listening today who's never even heard of the mindset work, who's never even heard of the head work, a lot of information on nutrition, a lot of information on exercise. But nobody told them, you know, that's the question, you know, exercise, nutrition, having the tool of bariatric surgery. That's the how am I going to get healthier? How am I going to lose weight? But you also have to answer why you eat, which is this Mm -hmm. topic today craving.
4: Oh yeah, no! You'd be shocked at how many people we talk to that get a list from their surgery center that's literally one page that has three to six months, six to nine months, to you know nine to twelve months, and it just has calorie goals like like eight hundred, twelve hundred, fifteen hundred, two thousand. That's the it, like that's it. They're just like hit these calorie goals, and it's like well. I don't know about you guys, but I've been big forever, and I know how to eat 2,000 calories. But it's not going to be the way you want me to get 2,000 calories. They're not going to line up. I promise you, they will not. So I'm going to Mm -hmm. need something a little more than just a number to go off of because past that, I don't really know what to do or how to get there. But you got, you know, once you once the checks cashed and they're done with you, they're just like, all right, man, take it easy. Like we'll see you for a couple of follow ups, but past that, once the honeymoon's over, you don't have any more follow up play. My, my surgery center is not, tr- I'm 18 months out. They're not trying to see me. Like, they don't want me to come in there and be like, I need a follow-up appointment. They're going to be like, for what? Like, yeah. like, we don't need to see you, dude.
0: And let's be clear. Our surgical center's job is complete. They successfully operated on us. Absolutely. That's yeah a small Part of it right what we're talking about is actually the work of weight loss surgery which is why these conversations are so critically important so that we can help others find long-term success
2: and it, it is required for most surgical centers to have a requirement for patients to follow up every single year yeah um but it's in, to me it's interesting because the retention rate of follow-up goes down so much year after year And I think part of that, I don't think I know because I've talked to people, part of that is embarrassment and shame about weight regain, about cravings, about Mm -hmm. things that you didn't realize could happen to you. Right. You know? So, I mean, we're talking on a very like, you know, daily level and minute to minute level because these things happen on a, on a regular basis. Um, But long-term, you know, there, it's to be expected that there, that your brain will continue to work the way it does. It's to be expected that there will be cravings, holidays, things like this, and that you will need more work. I think that what we don't do well enough beforehand is remind people that weight management, that word management is for life. You know, it's like, any other comorbidity, like if you get have type two diabetes and all of a sudden your blood sugars are great and you're managing it well, you you don't just, that's not just it. You have to manage it forever. It's the same thing with your weight because your body is consistently trying to work against you and protect you and do the thing that's most comfy cozy all the time. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It's, it's trying to get us back to how we were before surgery. And Nat's most famous line that is tattooed in my brain is if the old, if the new us doesn't show up, the old us will. And mm. that is, that's what we're talking about. Nat, I know that you, there was something you wanted to contribute.
3: Um, yeah, I guess I just wanted to go back, backtrack a little bit, uh, moment has uh, moved on, but, um, the, the fact that, our surgery centers, they don't really prepare us for labeling our emotions. I feel like we've, we've gone through like our entire journeys. When someone says, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. I don't know. Eh, I don't know. Whatever. Because Mm -hmm. we've never like had to deal with it. Um, And it made me, I think it was something Laura said. uh, Recently, I was talking with my therapist and I said, yeah, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm not feeling that great today. Um, I've been really craving this very specific dish that my dad makes and just to like sit down and eat this dish and like not do anything. And she was like, okay, so like, what are you feeling? And I was like, I don't know, just, I just don't feel good. And she was like, okay, so what are you feeling? <laughs> and she wouldn't stop. And I was like, I don't know. Like, why are you asking? I don't know what I'm feeling. And she was like, we'll just wait. And we literally sat for like five minutes while I tried to like put a label on what I was feeling. And I was feeling overwhelmed. I was feeling overwhelmed. We have a lot going on in my work life, my social life with East to West. I was like, I feel like I can't get my dishes done. I can't get my laundry done. I'm just feeling, I guess I'm feeling overwhelmed. And she was like, yeah. And so when you lived with your parents, would he make that like on a tough day? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> you know, and everything is connected in that way. And that was a very recent conversation. So it's funny that we're now talking about mm. it here. But that is something that I never really realized until that moment, I never put a label, or never named what I was feeling. I never put a name to it. Mm. Oh, my God, yeah, Matt, that is
1: Nat, oh, you are not alone right? So that what the dots you are connecting are amazing, you are doing some incredible work with a wonderful therapist. Um, What I have learned is many, many of our bariatric patients, the majority of them do not have a feeling vocabulary. And that's Mm -hmm. often the first step, right? So we're talking about how do we deal with cravings? Okay, we identify they're more about feelings than physical hunger. But I don't know how to name them. And how do I know what I don't know? And that's where we need to be able to start. You know, that's something that's actually one session that I do in my online course. And then I also do it in my individual therapy sessions is helping people start to name their feelings, because you can't honor them, you can't meet them, you can't feed them, if you will, okay, Um, in healthy ways, in non food ways until you can give them a name.
3: I really felt like in that moment, because um, I have a, a early childhood teaching background, I really felt like I was a kindergartner trying to point to the feelings map on like, you know, what you have when you're in like kindergarten, you have the like little faces. That's yes, how yes. I felt in that moment that I was like having to re figure <laughs> out what I was feeling and putting an actual name to what I was feeling instead of just eh, whatever, I don't know and brushing it off oh my god or saying this that is... you were
2: hungry i was mm-hmm. hungry no you weren't
1: you're were over right
2: oh my i'm god. curious though i'm curious because this is something that i would ask in my nutrition session did you eat it did you do it
3: um no because there i would have if i could have afforded it <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah um, I don't know for
3: any uh, any Italians out there um he makes cioppino uh mm-hmm. which is like a seafood stew uh and it is like chock full of like all of the most expensive seafood that you can find oh, um yeah I probably would
1: have if I like had
3: the means to mm-hmm.
1: my next question would be if you ate the cioppino would it have taken care of that feeling of being overwhelmed mm. would
3: it- no, there it is.
4: Absolutely. There it is. <laughs>
1: you, <laughs> you know, because my kitchen is still right, dirty. We're doing
4: something right. <laughs> uh, yeah, there
1: it is. on it, it momentarily, right? Because remember, we talked right. about what's going on with the brain, especially if we have a positive memory and it connected you to your father. And I'm sure there's fat and salt in that dish and maybe some sugar, but it would only be more momentarily, right? So, right, right. So, to use your lingo, Nat, scratching the itch. Um, Our comfort foods, our cravings only scratch the itch momentarily, Mm -hmm. right? And Jana and I are here to teach you, we want to teach you a different way, right? We want to teach you how do I cope through the craving instead of numbing it? They're Mm -hmm. two very different things. And I will be honest, eating the chipino, eating the Cheetos, a lot easier than what you had to do in your therapy session. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> A well, lot and, easier.
0: And that yeah. is why it, 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 again, it comes back to trust. We have to learn to trust ourselves because some days we have the energy to do that work. And then those are the days that we do it. Some days we don't have the energy to do that work, but if we are far enough along in our journey, we can go, I need to do this work. I need to catalog this. I need to understand mm-hmm. what is going on. And that's not something that I have the capacity to do in this moment. But it's but it's on my brain now. And I will have the capacity to do that, which is kind of like the the the, the goal of this conversation. What do we do when cravings strike? Because we're, we're we're always going, we're always gonna have them. So what what are the steps that that we need to take? And I'm assuming the first one is we have to understand, okay, is this a nutritional craving or is this an emotional craving, right? Mm -hmm. So is there a magic question that we need to ask? Or is it just an observation that we know like, oh, this is like, Janet, what,
2: what would indicate that my craving is nutritional? If it's nutritional, I mean, if it's essentially, if it's like a, a drop in blood sugar, let's say where you're actually physically hungry, then You need to know what your physical hunger feels like, because I can tell you the general symptoms of like, oh, you get the growling stomach or you feel a little moody or hangry or, you know, you, maybe you feel a little dizzy or you get that feeling in your throat that like, you know, the shaky. Yeah. Um, and when you have that, that feeling will not go away. That will not go away. Even if you deny, deny, deny yourself, it will get worse and worse. And that's the whole thing of like when I when I talk about skill power over willpower, um, Jason had mentioned willpower earlier, and we can't rely on willpower because it runs out like a battery. So if you have the skills to stock your fridge and to make sure that you have things on hand um, that are always there for you when you need to have your you know your three meals, and if you're doing that to take the edge off of regular hunger, then you know, that hunger is satisfied from here down, not from here up. So then Laura, I mean, we can talk about, you know, the one thing that I talk about with patients is making space and time in between your craving and actually going for the food. Um, reevaluating. I know that sometimes we don't do that because there's this like immediate, like, um, moment in time where you're like no i don't i can't even think about the future i can only think about right now and eating that thing um but i do i one other thing i wanted to say is that i do i do always talk about how like if you do um go and and have the food that you're craving um versus not having it compare those two feelings afterwards if you eat at night um and you go to sleep on a full stomach versus a semi-empty stomach How do how do those two feelings compare? You know, do you get a better night's sleep? Do you get a better bowel movement the next day? You know, sorry, TMI, but this is, these are the things that can come out of, you know, changing your dietary habits and, and uh, thinking back, did I really need it? Maybe not. Maybe I didn't need it. Maybe I got better sleep.
0: Well, it it always comes back to these internal conversations that before we yeah. avoided or we just didn't have. And now as a bariatric patient seeking to find that happy, healthy weight, right? This our forever life. These are the conversations that that we have to have.
4: Well, ourselves. and not to mention the fact that given, like, like you guys were saying, given into the craving technically is still collecting the data needed to have the important conversation after the fact. Mm-hmm. So even if you give into it, it's not technically like you've just derailed everything because you're still able to collect the data from that, you know, from, from giving into the craving, because not only can you track how you felt about it, you can track how it made you feel. You can track it, you know, like, like, you know, Jenna said, some of the things the next day, well, you know, how you slept, what you feel like the next morning, you know, minus the the guilt and the shame part of it, but literally as a fact finding mission, almost, If you do happen to versus the time, because you're going to use that towards the next time you have the craving to possibly be able to not give into the craving and just adjust and, you know, make a better decision for yourself.
2: That involves less accusing and more curiosity. Right.
1: Yes, I love that you said no guilt and shame. And April, I know you asked Jan about how do we know if it's a nutritional craving, a deficiency, what's going on? Um, and that's why I'm so glad we're here together. And then I think the next question is naturally, well, then how do I know if it's more emotional, or it's more head hunger As like Jana said from up here. And I think I quickly teach that by saying it's tied to your senses, if you hear thoughts, so I love April, how you said if you're hearing it up here, okay, this is a good warning sign. But if you hear like, ooh, that sounds so good, my ears that looks good, that smells good, I have a taste for something sweet. These are often what oh, I, I like that. as warning signs that you know what, that's probably not physical hunger. Okay, those are that's head hunger, that's emotional hunger. So then you slow down and you get curious and say, okay, what's really going on here? What do I need? It's not food.
0: Oh my mm. god, I just drew the most simple graphic in the world, but it's so true, right? If you're feeling your hunger in your head, it's emotional. If you're feeling your hunger from the neck down, it's probably nutritional. Like
1: that's it. That's it. Oh.
0: <laughs> Thanks.
3: Thank you I, for coming to our TED Talk. <laughs> right? I think there's something to be said for that because I grew up, I never knew what hunger felt like. I never knew what it felt like to be physically hunger hungry um until i had my bariatric surgery until you know my stomach was pretty healed until i was you know 4 months out and then all of a sudden i got the shakes all of a sudden i felt moody and i was like what is going on oh yeah that's that's hunger that that means that you're hungry um and that to f- actually feel it in my body instead of my head like you said Laura I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the way that you just put that really sealed the deal. That really helped me.
1: And another little tip, and I think Jana would agree, if your craving is about physical hunger and you scratch the itch, you give it what it needs, you're going to be satisfied, especially with your wonderful tool of bariatric surgery. If your craving is psychological and emotional and you give it food, it's going to persist despite eating. Which brings us back mm. to, well, that didn't do it for me. And that didn't do it for me.
4: Yeah. Mm. Well, one of the crazy things, like what you were saying is, is it's, it's, it's the senses. Because before I had surgery, any point in time, if you told me, if, if you asked me if I was hungry and what I wanted, I could tell you, I could nail down a place like, like that. Like I would always be like, oh, we can eat and we can go here. Or I want this or I want that post-op. I can't tell you how many times that, you know, uh, my wife would be like, Hey, are you hungry? What do you, I haven't really thought of anything. Whatever, whatever we get is fine. And that is one of the things that I've noticed when you said that, it made me think about it. I'm like, when I'm hungry, hungry, like, I'm like, whatever, like, put whatever in front of me. I'll eat half of it. It's cool. Before, I would be like, it's this, it's got to be this, it's got to be this high, it's got to be this many patties, it's got to be this many fries of this kind with this kind of sauce, and I could nail it down to you damn near how to make it. And then, now, yeah, but after the fact, I'm like, I don't care, whatever. slide whatever in front of me, and I'm going to get after part of it, and then the rest of it's going to go in a box. I don't know.
2: You're making me think of that classic thing of like, if, you know, when the, when kids are like, oh, I want something. And then the mom gives them an apple and then they say, well, I don't want the apple. And it's like, well, you're not hungry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly.
3: Exactly. Exactly. I love it.
0: I just, I just have to say, I mean, Jan and Laura, you you both, you women are brilliant, but I need to slow clap Jason, Natalie and myself. We are doing some bariatric learning here. I mean, damn friends. God, this is hard, but hot damn. Is it worth it? Oh my God.
4: Every day. I love
0: talking to you guys. Yes. I mean, this is, this is where the magic happens. This is where the growth mm-hmm. happens, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why these conversations are necessary and needed in our community, because so yeah. few people have the opportunity to have them. So if they can at least listen and watch, it will, make, it, it will make the difference. So before we let you ladies go, the last question that we really want to know is, can our cravings be avoided? Is there anything that we can do to maybe lessen the chance or make them not so
2: strong? Is that possible? Jana? nutritionally, I'll make it quick and simple. It's meeting those very basic needs, the bariatric basics. And we all know them getting your protein in. I usually recommend 70 to hundred. It's a slightly bit more, um, getting your fluids in, you know, and making them mostly water if you can, um, and getting your vitamins in. And at least that'll take the edge off. You know, if you're, if you're wanting to avoid physical, real hunger, and hanger. Yes. Do those three things. And you can avoid at least some of the cravings, but I'm going to throw this back over to Laura because yeah, Laura, take it away.
1: All all humans have (laughs) cravings and, um, I, you know, I don't think they can ever completely be avoided. I want to get that out there, but I do think we can decrease them and we can decrease their power. What we have learned in today, we've been talking a lot about what to do after the craving hits, how to identify mm. it, how to meet it. I call those reactive skills, skill power, to use Jana's word, okay? We mm. do some things proactively. How are we taking care of ourselves? Okay, we mm. see cravings are related to our physical needs, our emotional needs, and our mental needs. Are we putting our own oxygen mask on in all those areas? Are we taking care of our physical needs? Are we taking care of our emotional needs? Are we taking care of our mental needs? If you are doing that in healthy ways, I believe when the stress increases, the craving's not gonna be as strong because you've been ta- you've been ready, you've been putting on the armor, you've been putting on the shields to hit that in a healthy, healthy way.
0: I... This will be one of the few episodes that I watch and listen to over and over and over again, because there is so much information here that really will impact us at at, at that minute level. I mean, it's just. Wow. Wow. Laura and Jana, we can't thank you enough for joining us. We always love to give our guests kind of the floor uh, as we wrap up our podcast episode. So is there any little nugget that you think left unsaid? Is there any piece of advice or wisdom that you'd like to pass along uh, to anybody that's struggling with cravings? Laura, we can start with you.
1: I think my biggest nugget is always don't beat yourself up. Don't beat yourself up. Have grace and space for yourself. You're learning. You're baby stepping this. Um, Cravings didn't automatically leave you in the operating room. And celebrate the win that you are listening to this podcast and you're learning
2: a new way. Truth, Fred. Truth, Miss Jada. I love that, Laura. And I'm gonna piggyback on what you said and say that a lot of these things that happen, um, you know, with with cravings and you know, overeating or whatever it might might be, you can always reflect on it while giving yourself grace and get the data out of it. And ask yourself, instead of being accusatory, be curious and get something at least out of that situation. Um, And don't rely on, you know, the tool of the surgery. Do the work yourself. Um, It's 50-50, you and the surgery. And setting yourself up for success nine times out of 10 will work. You know, if you, if you stock your fridge and you stock your freezer and you know, you've prepared some meals um, sometimes it is easier to just eat those things. And if you've stocked your pantry with Oreos and um, all of the, you know, Halloween stuff and whatnot, you're more likely to eat those. So whatever's in your environment usually determines, you know, what you're going to consume.
0: Normally we don't do this, but I want to give Natalie and Jason just a, a brief moment to to reflect on what was your big aha moment from this conversation. I know I have mine. I can share mine first. And it's this freaking little stickman graphic that I drew. <laughs> oh my God, I'm making that official and we are blessing that uh, to everyone on the planet that we know. That was a huge takeaway for
4: me. Jason, what about yeah. you? Mine was the, the the sensory situation. Like, it's got to be the, the the auditory, the visual. Like, if it sounds good, you know, think about it. You know, it. it yeah, just to me, that was... Because, I, I mean, I've said all of those things, and everybody knows my, my issue with Cheez-Its and how bad that went. Um, that went for so long that literally, I, I thought about it while we were talking about it, and I was going to bring it up earlier, but I literally... After I fell off the wagon, and went so hard at it. I was buying family boxes of cheeses, and I was hiding them in my drawer behind me, mm-hmm. in this hutch that we had while I was working. And I would pull them out, and I would eat, you know, bowls of them at a time until they were gone. But I was figuring out I was going through family boxes every two days. Well, family mm-hmm. boxes were big ass boxes, so I was plowing through. Well, I realized that when my I had my grandbabies here for about a year with me. And I realized that my youngest granddaughter would hear me every time I would open that door and she would come running. And she knew that it was cheese at time, so she would have her hand out. I realized when I started getting mad about having to share a family-sized box of cheeses with a two-year-old, that it was a, is- a bigger issue. First off, it was bad enough I was hiding them. Second off, it was bad enough I was upset about sharing them with a the child. So then I realized that I had to really go... Deep off into it, and I just cut it completely out. And now, I I mean, it's been months since I've even thought about it. I don't even go anywhere near that section of the store now because I know better. Um, Because I'll buy them, I know I would. So that's why I don't even like if I go in the store. Like there's, they're only sold in Aldi though. The ones that I like are only sold in Aldi because the actual cheeses are too salty, so I can't eat them. These are the bootleg baked, uh, (laughs) baked ones that Aldi sells. So if uh, they're in the back corner of the store and the protein bars I buy are in the front, like right in the front. So literally I make a U-turn. I I go in, I grab the bars, I turn around and go to the counter. I buy them and get the hell out. Cause I know if I go any farther than that, I'm going to get, I'm going to grab boxes and it's bad. So to me that that makes all the sense in the world. So. Yep. You're, you're collecting that data. Miss Nat, what about you?
3: Um, I think mine's very uh, similar to Jason's. I think it's the, uh, defining you know is this head hunger am I putting like senses to the hunger or is it a physical feeling uh that's below below my neck <laughs> um you know feeling the pit in my stomach or the shaking or something like that differentiating the two and having that um that check-in with myself when I'm feeling that hunger you know and this
0: I I I I I get to give a little teaser because this is just perfect. Uh, we have been working on something big for our community. And if you are interested in really diving into these topics at a deeper level, you are going to like what we have coming up. We can't say what. We can say that it's coming very soon, November 4th, to be exact. Miss Laura and Miss Jana uh, might be in on what we have been working on, but if you would like to know more, get on our email list, go to ww.east2sws.com and get signed up so that you are the first to know. That's the only little bit that I'm going to say, but I just had to get it in there because it's so perfect. This is why we have been working so hard It's because these deep dives are, are necessary and needed. So before we let you ladies go, will you please let people know where they can find and follow you? Laura, will you let them start with at you?
1: Instagram is just at Laura Gravo, and I spell my name L-O-R-A and you can follow me on Facebook as well. Laura Grabo, Headwork for healthy weight loss. Oh, Miss Diana? Oh, I do have a website.
4: Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> 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 that. You can follow me at MyBarryBox on Instagram, um, barrybox.org to place orders for meal delivery before and after surgery. Um, And I'm also on Facebook. I have a page called Barry Box and Jana Wolf R.D. Two resources I highly
0: recommend that you take advantage of in our community. These women are amazing and they are here to support us. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us today. We very much appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Miss Nat, would you like to tell people about a wonderful opportunity that they could participate in every Sunday?
3: Yes, so if you've been following us for a while, we do have a segment every single Sunday called Shout Out Sundays. Uh, This is a chance for us at East to West to give back to you guys and shout out you and your stories and highlight different members in our community. Um, All you have to do is go to our website, easttowestwls.com fill out that Sunday shout out submission form. You'll upload a picture that you're proud of sharing with the with our nation, with our our community. Uh, and then I will post it. You don't have to be a patron. You don't have to pay us. You don't donate anything. It's literally just signing up and I will get you guys on our grid and I get to talk and brag about you guys on our stories. So yeah. Um, go ahead and, go, like I said, go to the website and fill out that form. And it's one of my favorite days of the week. And I know it's uh, Jason and April's as well.
0: Best part of starting the week off is on Sunday with our shout out
4: Sundays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jason, my friend, will you take us out? Yes, ma'am. Uh, ladies, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. All your uh, just your your valuable time is is appreciated, and your knowledge as well. So we can't thank you enough. Um, Thank you to everyone who has liked, shared, subscribed, followed, uh, spread the word about East to West. We appreciate you uh, helping us to reach as many ears as possible because this journey is uh, nothing without support. Uh, So please just uh, continue to do so. You can rate the podcast on your favorite podcast player. You can leave us reviews also on our YouTube page. You can do the same rate and, uh, and share there as well. You can leave us voice messages on our anchor page that we can then incorporate into uh, later episodes of the podcast, which is also awesome. Another way for us to shout you out and support you. Um, So please continue to do all of those things as well as like and share and subscribe. And just remember at the end of the day, you've got this, we've got you, and we'll see you next time.